0: Uh, today we are going to shift gears. Uh, for four weeks we have been talking about uh, Student Center and the Capital Fund Campaign. You've heard sermons on that. You've heard testimonies from, uh, from families who in, uh, are making sacrificial commitments for that. And uh, today you came and made your commitment. So uh, now we are going to shift gears and we are going to focus on the cross. We are going to start thinking about Easter and the celebration. So the next two Sundays I will preach on the cross. Then the 24th Palm Sunday the choir will do the beautiful musical Victorious. And then the 31st will be Easter. So we are going to look at the cross and move towards that. Thinking about uh, the value of the cross and the significance of the cross uh, in our lives. And uh, there are three news stories that I ran across recently that I think give us some in, uh, indication about uh, how the cross is viewed by a lot of other people outside the church. In, um, in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, at Calvary Cemetery, there had been a 14 foot bronze cross since 1930 when it was established. And recently, some thieves cut it off some kind of way and made away with it. When it was put there, erected there, Uh, So many years ago, it was valued then at $10,000. The policemen hadn't called them yet. But what they figured they had done was that they cut it up and sold it for scrap metal and got about $450 from it. Now, that obviously tells us that they did not know uh, the value of that cross. Now, I would think we carry it over into our culture and society today. And not everybody values the cross. A lot of people wear cross jewelry. Some of you might have that on. Uh, basketball games. We watched a lot of basketball games yesterday on TV. So many of the players have crosses among other things tattooed on them. And I often wonder, you know, are, are they really of the faith? Do they understand what that cross means? Do they value that cross? Or is it just some kind of symbol or good luck charm that they've put on? And, um, and you are getting into government things now and about uh, the diversity of our country is being shown in some of the response to Christian faith. Take for example the Veterans Memorial Cross. Uh, That we see uh, here at San Diego's uh, Mount Soledad Veterans Memorial Cemetery. It has been there since it was erected uh, in 1913. But now there are lawsuits being pending, uh, and it's been constantly going back and forth in the courts because the Supreme Court has ruled, let me see, not let's see, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, the Ninth District, has ruled this unconstitutional. Because it's a Christian symbol, at least they recognize that, and it makes it seem like the government is endorsing that and that everyone buried there was of the Christian faith. And so there's a battle to take that cross down. Then I read of another, another news story. Um, I know that we are in South Carolina's in the Southeastern Conference, and uh, when you drive up here during the weekday and you look out here at the parking lot with our weekday workers uh, working with children in preschool, it kind of looks like a Southeastern Conference um, Gathering There's Georgia plates, Carolina plates, Auburn plates, and all of those kinds of things like that representing their loyalties. How about LSU? We got any LSU fans here today? Yeah, there they are. Well, my future son-in-law and his parents and his niece, they're all LSU fans. Yeah, how about that? Well, let me show you about LSU. Nobody should pull for them. Well... Now, do you know what that group is? Good fans. Yeah, they're LSU fans. That's the posse. Have you ever heard of them? They're not only rabid LSU fans. Oh, let's see. Where's my little beam here? Can you see the cross on that one shirt and that one? I can't get this beam thing to work. I was going to surprise you with that. Modern technology didn't work for me. You see the cross on them? That's the posse, LSU fans. They're not only idiotic LSU fans, <laughs> wild and fanatic, but they are also strong believers in Christ and they have that cross on their shirt for every day. I don't know where they sit. You are not in that are you Jonathan? No? Okay. All right. Now, show the other picture. This is what the University sent out. Can you see it close enough to see what is missing? Yeah. There are no crosses on the shirts. The University said, We don't want to be endorsing any faith at all, especially Christianity. Now, isn't that something? You ought to cancel your season tickets. (laughs) Hmm? Who would want to pull for a university that would have that kind of attitude about Christian fans and wearing a cross? Well, all of that makes us think about our culture and society in which we live today. And that not everybody values the cross as it should be valued. Let me ask you the question, how do you value the cross? How much value do you place upon the cross? Every time you put on a piece of jewelry uh, that, that's a cross, yeah, um, and here lately a lot of people have been wearing the cross that's sideways. I had a, a lady after the first service ask me, she said, what, what is this? Is only anything about that? And I said, the only explanation I have is that Jewelry Warehouse during Christmas time in their ads, they advertise it as the psalm, and, and forgive me on this, I forget the reference, I have to look it up where it talks about our sins are removed as far as the East is from the West. And I said, I was glad to hear that. But I just thought it looked like a lazy cross. Too many people are lazy Christians and had that cross lying sideways. I think y'all got some, Don't you say Somebody got that? Okay. So, but you know there's a lot of different ways to look at the cross. Now let me ask you this, when is the last time that you read through in any of the Gospels or the account of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? When is the last time that you read through that and it just moved you to tears And it stirred your heart because you realized the value of that, that this is the Son of God, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, who was crucified by the most brutal means of execution ever created by mankind. And He did it for you. And He did it for me because of our sins. So, we should understand the value of the cross if we are in a relationship with Christ. I want you to look with me at the Gospel reading for today of the Gospel of Luke with this account of the crucifixion of Christ. Chapter 23 beginning in verse 26. As they led him away they seized Simon from Cyrene who was on their way in from the country and they put a cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed Him, including women who mourned and wailed for Him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for Me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Him to be executed, When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, Don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? And we are punished justly for what we are getting, for what our deeds are deserved. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Doesn't matter to me which gospel I read that account in. Every time I read it, I'm simply gripped by the compelling knowledge of the fact that Jesus was on that cross in my place, dying for my sins. Now, here are at least three things I think we need to learn as we look at this story, and any time we look at the cross and we think about the cross, about its value to us. First of all, the cross is the greatest display of God's love. For us. So, this crucifixion seen here in Luke as well as in the other Gospels, don't go into all the, the, the horror and the gory background about crucifixion, but just, it, was, it was just the most uh, humiliating and the most painful and shameful means of execution that the Roman government could have thought of. And you got to remember that here is where God showed His love for us. He sent Jesus Christ, God in the flesh into this world. And we know as we read through the Gospels that Jesus had a mission. And that mission was to seek and save the lost. And because of that then He was drawn to that cross because that was His life's mission and purpose and destiny. And you can very well say that Jesus Christ was the only person who was born who was born for the specific purpose of dying. We know that unless the Lord returns soon then that we all will experience death. But Jesus was brought into this world He didn't didn't exist at His birth, beginning at His birth. He existed long before that. He was equal with God. There was perfect unity and harmony in the heavens. But He came to earth to be born as that infant baby for the specific purpose of dying for our sins. That's where God showed us the depth of His love for us. John 3.16 is the heart of the Gospel that says to us, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why did Jesus have to come? Why did He have to die for our sins? It's because all of us from Adam and Eve chose sin over God's way. We rebelled against God's law and His commandments and we rebelled against His moral standards and statutes. And we, we are sinners by choice and by nature. And there's nothing we can do about that. We're not holy in the sight of God. We're not righteous in the sight of God. And because of that, we can't have a relationship with God that He created us for to begin with. Remember that. God created us so that we could have fellowship with Him and He could have fellowship with us for all eternity. And so when we're lost in our sins and we're unholy and unrighteous, God can't have fellowship with us. And so He sent His Son, who would be the perfect sacrifice to die in our place on the cross. So that we could have fellowship with Him and our sins forgiven and we could be covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 kind of sums it all up for me. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, it wasn't when we got cleaned up, it wasn't when we got right with Him that He sent Jesus to die for us, but while we were still sinners, when we were lost in that sin. It was, a, it was an exciting weekend at our house as Sarah Lynn and, and Jonathan Hanberry flew in uh, to uh, surprise Sarah Lynn with the fact that Jonathan proposed to her. They knew that this was coming but they surprised her. And we had did a lot of work. Uh, she didn't know that um, Jonathan's mother and father were coming, Gary and, and Beverly uh, as well. And uh, he's a pastor. His father was a pastor before him. So, that runs in Jonathan's family, runs in our family. And so it was a great surprise for Sarah Lynn when she got engaged. And then a lot of other things happened to all the rest of our family there. Seven grandchildren, all of our children, and all of that. And so Sarah Lynn says not knowing that she was going to be engaged she said, I don't have any outfits to wear for engagement pictures that they are going to have today. And, and Jonathan said, I, you know I told you I tried to get you to wear, bring some nice outfit you know. So Cookie said that's no problem all the girls are going shopping tomorrow. So yesterday they left all the guys there all of the guys with all the grandchildren and the women went shopping. I looked at them and I said, I've raised you. These are your children. And they were engrossed with ball games and all that stuff going on. I looked out there and the four older ones, Molly and Ellie and Manning and White, were out there. They'd been playing on this great big sand pile that we have for some work that's going to be done. And they'd gotten shovels and all holes and all kind of stuff and been playing on that. And when I looked out the window and saw them where they were, they were they were barefoot, they were wet, they'd been in the water, and they had sand from head to toe. I looked at the guys and I said, "You looked at your children out there lately?" And then they all jumped up in the lawn because they'd been sitting there watching basketball and all that kind of stuff, you know. So. I can understand that with the things that children get into, and I can understand it blesses my heart though, just to sit there and watch. I love that when the house was full of my children, my family, and we're delighted to add Jonathan and his family into ours and us into theirs as well. But you know I can identify with a little boy who'd been bad during the day, and his mother put him to bed early, and she stood outside his door and listened as he gave his bedtime prayer, and he said, "Dear God, please love me even when I'm bad." And that's the story of our relationship with God. In that God loved us when we were at our worst, and He died for us. A few years ago, there was a shortage of emergency blood supply in England, and so in the town of London, they came up with a plan that uh, anyone who was issued a traffic ticket had two options: they could pay it the monetary fee, or they could go to the blood bank and donate a pint of blood. And so, one man got a ticket. He went down to the to the blood bank, and, and he gave a pint of blood. And they gave him a receipt. And he took that receipt down to town hall and gave it to the clerk. And the clerk stamped on it, paid in blood. You and I, all of us, all of us had a sin debt. And we were deserving of death. And we had a debt against God. But Jesus Christ came to show God's love for us and He died on the cross. And our sin debt is canceled. And it says paid in blood. That's the value of the cross. Secondly, the cross has value for us because it reminds us of our true identity. We have a lot of different ways by which we identify ourselves by our race, nationality, our sex, our work life, our passion in life. You ask me, Who am I? What's your identification? I would say I'm an American and I'm proud of it. In the early service with a coat and tie on I had my uh, American flag lapel. I usually wear that with any coat I wear. The American flag flies at our house in two places out by the road by a mailbox and in the backyard on a tree. flies every day. I'm an American. I'm proud of it. I'm a South Carolinian and I'm proud of that. I'm married to Cookie. Fortunate enough to be married to, to a Cookie. 37 years. have uh, four children now that are grown seven grandchildren and I'm blessed with all of that. I'm a pastor. Been been for almost 37 years and I love it. But you see I have an identity that's even more basic than that. I am a sinner saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's my ultimate identity. You want me to show you proof of my identity. I can show you my driver's license. I can give you my Social Security number. I can present my passport, my marriage license, last year's tax return. But if you really want to see my ID as to who I think I am, I'll pull out this cross. It's just a simple silver cross that I carry most every day in my pocket. And it reminds me of who I am, my identity. It was in my sophomore year at Walford I was struggling with my faith. I knew God had called me when I was a nine year old boy that I was supposed to go into ministry. And I didn't want to do it. I, I went to college with a cynical faith because I was disappointed by the home church and the way they handled some issues. I think I've told you some of these things. And I had a cynical faith. And I, I, I went there to do what I wanted to do. And I was struggling with my faith. And, and one night, uh, a really devoted young know, man of Christ by the name of John Wall uh, gave me this cross. And say, I just, I just want you to know I'm praying with you. And uh, I kept it for a long time just on my desk and just looked at it. One night I was studying for a philosophy exam about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was going over all these existence, reasons for the existence of God. Ontological, cosmological, the- theological, all that exist- theories about the existence of God. And I looked down and I spied that cross and I said, you know what? I don't need all these theories. I know God is real. I have a relationship with Him. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And from then on I started wearing this cross. And, and, I, and I dealt with some issues of my faith. That wasn't God that, 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 that let me down, it was people. And God never was letting me down. And I, and, and I realized more than ever He was my perfect Heavenly Father. And, and I answered that call. I went to seminary and now I've been the pastorate for almost 37 years. But you see there is my basic identity as a believer in Jesus Christ that's what the value of the cross is for me. It tells me who I am. I think 1 Peter 3.18 helps us understand that as well. For the Scripture says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. See, that's what happens when we value the cross and we accept Jesus Christ who died there as the Savior. This cross I wear in my pocket, it's not a good luck charm. It's a simple reminder to me that I am a child of God purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. It gives me my identity. Then the third thing about the value of the cross is this, is the cross has a powerful and profound influence on how we live, on how we live. See, I think to live the Christian life is to be dominated by gratitude and to be obsessed by grace. Gratitude to God for what He has done for us. Obsessed with the grace with which he, he sent Jesus Christ into the world to die for our sins. And see, that should have ownership on us if we truly believe in Christ. It should make a difference in our identity and who we are and our lifestyle and our purpose in life. I like the way Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians six verses 19 and 20 he says, "Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You see that speaks to me about our lifestyle, our actions, and how we live. And more and more and more the line between Christian and non-Christian is getting fuzzier all the time. It is difficult to tell believers from unbelievers. That affects our witness. See I think the church has the only message that is the hope for our country we ought to know that. It's the message of Jesus Christ, the Gospel of salvation. In the midst of all the diversity in our country today there are so many different religions out there. That's why the cross is being persecuted so much. And the only way that we can, we can turn this nation back to God is that we live a life and share the life, that faith that was bought by the cross. You see when we understand the value of the cross. We ought to spend the rest of our life living for the glory of God in our attitudes and in our actions and knowing that they are all shaped by the power of the cross. And that we never forget what Jesus did for us when He died on the cross. There is a story that Garrison Keller told on one of his uh, radio broadcasts. You know Garrison Keller the humorist and he wrote about the Lake Be gone days from I think up in Wisconsin, Minnesota up in that area. But one story he tells is about Uh, A Thanksgiving uh, feast that the family was all enjoying it. Basically like our southern festivities. Great big table, he said, heavily laden with a turkey and all the trimmings and everything that goes with it and all the family members there and they were gathered around at Thanksgiving and it was time for the blessing. And he said in his words, somebody made the mistake of calling on Uncle John to pray. And he went on to say, they should have known that Uncle John couldn't pray Without talking about the cross and crying. And he said, Nothing makes the rest of us more uncomfortable than standing around listening to a grown man cry. And so we started, stared at the floor, we shifted from one foot to the other. And then Garrison Keller sums it up by saying, All of us knew that Jesus died on the cross, but Uncle John had never gotten over it. Uncle John valued the cross, didn't he? He had experienced the love of God. He knew what his identity was in Christ. And his life and his attitude reflected that he was not his own. He had been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to suggest to you that we learn to value this cross as we move towards the the time of crucifixion and celebrating Easter. We need to remember what Jesus did for us, how much God loves us, If you've accepted that love and that grace, you need to live a life that's dominated by that grace. You need to understand that that your life should express gratitude for what God has done for you. And that your life and your witness might be the only thing that brings somebody into the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You today once again for a reminder of Your love for us even when we were lost in our sins that you sent your only Son Jesus Christ into this world to die for us by giving His life on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins and that we could have a relationship with you wearing the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So, Father, help us to value the cross, not just during this time as we move towards the celebration of Easter, but every day may we never get over the fact that Jesus died for our sins. Father, I pray today that decisions will be made as your Holy Spirit leads and if someone has not come to know Christ as saved, that he or she will make that decision today as they confess Christ and repent of their sins. And that there will be other decisions made today for Your glory. And Father, I pray that You will give us the, the reminders that we need to always live our life as a witness for You and to reflect the truth and the love of God on the cross. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.